Thank you, Abba Father. Amen. Amen. Lord, we are holding on to you, especially in these trying days that we've been through the last couple years. We know it's not like some of the world, but, Lord, we're getting a little taste of the end times, Lord. Not that this is the tribulation time, but we're getting a small taste of what it could be like. And it's been horrible thus far. Can't imagine, Lord, how drastic it's going to be should the tribulation start. Lord, we're going to hold on to you in good times and bad times, whether we're rich or whether we're poor, whether we have a good church or or not, whether we read the Bible or not, we're going to hang on, Lord, but we've got to hang on by by studying your word, reading your word, listening to your word by, by preachers that are right on target. Lord, help us all to get a deeper faith. Jesus even said, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? Will he? Faith not only for salvation, but faith for healing, for deliverance, for miracles, Lord, will you? Will we find faith? Lord, I hope so. I hope the world has so much faith that we could move mountains because Jesus told us we could. We're going to hang on to you, Lord, all the days of our life. Holy Spirit, that's our commitment, but without your help, it probably would be useless. So we plead with you and pray to you to, to, to make sure we stay on track. Keep us on the right path. Speak to us. Convict us of our sins so that we might repent and our sins be blotted out. And times of refreshing will come from the presence of our God and Savior. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. For those out there, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. I'm glad you're there. Hey, you can check us out on the website, freedomchurchpb.org. Freedomchurchpb.org. It stands for Palm Beach because we're, we're in Palm Beach um, and the Palm Beaches and Palm Beach County. We're actually a quarter mile west of I-95 on the north side of the road. So um, if you're local, why don't you come by and see us? We do expositional Bible studies. We're not skimming the surface of the water. We're digging for gems in the Word of God. We're trying to get down there and really find some, some good stuff and nuggets that, that you wouldn't find floating on the top. We want to get uh, deep into the Word of God, and that's what we do, expositional studies. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1 tonight, but before we go on, I want to tell everybody out there, if you're local or if you want to go online, we're here every Thursday night at 7.15, and we, we preach expositionally, as I said, and we air uh, 7.15 every, every night, or every Thursday night. Then for, for we also air every Sunday at 10 a.m. Sunday at 10 a.m., come on, come on on to the site. I'll be teaching in Matthew. We're in chapter 10 this week. You know, we're gonna, we've already done ten, almost 10 chapters. We're in the last half of chapter 10, and uh, we had definitely more than 10 sermons. We probably have more like 17 or 18, you know, out of those 10 chapters, maybe even more. Because we're digging in. We're just not skimming the surface and reading and adding a little comment. We're digging deep in. I dig deep. I must have taught through Matthew, Matthew uh, the gospel maybe maybe six, seven times. But this time's a whole lot deeper. And each time you teach, it's deeper, deeper. Because we're studying. We're not just reading and seeing. You know, we're studying and digging in. 
So tune in Sunday at 10 a.m., Thursday nights at 7.15. And uh, if you're local, men, we have a Bible study every Saturday morning at 10 or 9 a.m. Saturday morning, 9 a.m. We do not air that, but we have three churches represented in our little group. One of them's a pastor and another a larger church than us. So, um, uh, you know, come on by. He's going to be teaching this week, by the way. So, um, you know, that's going to be a good, good time. Anyway, um, online you can, when you go onto our website, freedomchurchpb.org, you can find out all about us, what, we, what we believe in, where we're located. You can see the ministries that we have, um, and also you can even donate online. So what keeps the church going is the ch- people out there that you know, you're commanded to tithe by the scriptures. So, you know, tithe to your local church. Give offerings to the churches that you that you listen listen to and help you grow deeper in the Lord. Okay, but you know the the gospel's got to go on, and if you're not tithing, you're not giving offerings and gifts to different ministries that that deserve them for preaching the gospel. Then you're going to slow the gospel down. And I don't know about you, I I say it all the time. I want to get out of here. So the faster the gospel gets out to all parts of the world, the faster I think believe that trumpet's going to sound. And Christ is going to come back and get us out of here. You probably hear that every week from me because it's a priority in my life. I don't care what's going on in this world. I don't care as long as we're with Jesus. You know, you can watch your daughter or your son get married, or you can watch them marry Jesus. Oh, boy. I'm excited. (laughs) Anyway, praise the Lord. Um, Also, before you go or anybody here, I just ordered these. These are Gospels of John. I put some on the back table. I stamped it up front, Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. If you want to take a handful with you and pass them out at work or, you know, whatever you want to do, there's some on the table. I got another 40 or 50 of them, you know, printed up. They're a little too big to stick in the pockets of the, of the, the, the chairs, but that's okay. We have another Gospel of John in there. It's a little smaller. It fits in just right. But these are for, you know what? We need to get out there. We need to preach the gospel. We need to bring ch- other people to church, not the same people that are here every week, but, you know, and invite people to the men's Bible study, the Thursday night Bible study, Sunday morning Bible study, and for those online, you can invite them into your home for, for a church in, in your house. You know, we have people up in, you know, um, in uh, New England area, in Boston, North Carolina, um, Let's see, New Hampshire, different places watching here in Florida. We got people in, I saw on our map, you know, we got people in India. We got people in Nicaragua. um, We got people in Brazil. So, you know what, we're not just preaching to the choir here. You know, the gospel is going out. I'd like to see bunches online uh, too, okay? Gospel of John, don't forget to take them home and give them out. Okay, um, we're in Philippians chapter 1. Um, well, I'll just go through real quick. Philippians chapter 1, we see that Paul's in prison. This is in the prison epistle. Paul's main line in that, in that first few verses is, you know, I am in chains, but the gospel is not chained. The gospel is actually going out to a 
to a bigger crew of people. He's chained the soldiers four shifts a day, four six-ounce shifts a day by these soldiers. And you know from what you read in the Bible about Apostle Paul, he certainly wasn't talking about how good the Burger King is in the area if they had one then, but they didn't. But you know what I mean? He isn't talking about how to make tacos. You know, he's talking, he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and it tells you in this first part of the chapter that the gospel has went into Caesar's household. And this is Caesar Nero. And Nero was a maniac, okay? And he had people in his, in his leadership that turned Christian. And when Constantine came along in about 300 A.D. and, you know, and, and claimed that his victories in, in warring were from Christ, then 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 uh, Christianity was okayed in Jerusalem, and no more did they feed Christians to the lions or light them up as candles along along the road. You know, it was a good thing for that. And now the Christians weren't getting martyred. It was also a bad thing because a lot of a lot of idol worshippers entered the church and tried to get idols involved in it. And that's a lot of what Paul is refuting in his in his uh, messages and his and his. Uh, a letter that he has written here. So he said that some preachers preach out of selfish ambition and some preach out of love, some preach out of envy and strife, but but he but uh, Paul's there like, you know, you're gonna be rewarded for, for preaching correctly out of love, but he says, here's what it is. It's what he really said was some preach out of envy, some preach out of strife, some preach out of love. But what do I care as long as Christ is preached? See, it's the gospel that wins people over. You can be an unbeliever and talk the gospel to somebody, and the Holy Spirit can light on them, and they can, they can come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as an unbeliever tells you, you know, uh, about Jesus. They may not be converted, but they have enough information to be converted, but they never did it because they, they were cowardly, I guess you could say. So pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to to raise them up. So that's what he that's pretty much what he said in the in the first um, eighteen verses of the Philippians. I just uh, I just highlighted a few areas for you. But tonight we're in Philippians chapter nine one and verse nineteen through thirty, which is the end of the chapter. And I named this this uh, this message seven facts in living for Christ. Seven facts Paul is going to tell us here in living for Christ. As I get further on into it, you're going to see some of these facts that Paul's telling um, the, the Philippian church. The Philippian church loved Paul, okay, and Silas. If you remember right, Paul and Silas went down the river. There was a bunch of ladies there. They invited them to, to worship with him, and the ladies got saved. And one of them was a lady that that uh, that had purple. She made purple garments and stuff. She was a seller of purple and purple. That means that she's pretty wealthy. Purple, even today, if you go out to buy a can of paint that's purple, it is always higher priced than any other paint. You know, black and white is is cheap. You get up into the red tones, you know, into the purple tones, which is red and blue. You know, you're talking expense. She was a rich lady. She invited him into the house. Paul, Paul and Silas preached the gospel. They got saved. They ended up in, arrested. And they ended up in, in the jail in verses 
Um, and you can find that in Acts chapter 16. You know, from like the seventh verse on, on through, Paul and Silas end up in jail. And, and at midnight, they, they were beaten and whipped, you know, and they were in the inner prison. They were chained most likely to a wall, maybe hands and feet. And they began to sing praises to God at midnight, and the foundations of the, the, the prison shook. And, and then the Philippian jailer was about to kill himself because that's what the emperor would have did for the prisoners escaping. And Paul told him, don't kill himself. We're all still here. Even though the doors were, were swung open, even the real prisoners, the murderers and the liars and the thieves, they remained in the prison. Nobody escaped. You know why? Because the power of God was there. The power of God. The earthquake shook. I mean, the earth shook at, at their praises. And man, I wish that would happen today. You know, when I was in Guatemala, I preached. Um, the last night we were there it was a Sunday night. <coughs> I preached, and they their main services in the evening there. And I preached, and I mentioned that verse to them. I says, I said to the church, and there probably was 80 people there in Brazil. And I said, you know what? We went around, we prayed. You know, demons were cast out. Um, People gave up their alcohol and their drugs, and witches brought their books in, and we burned them. And I says, but you know, you know, the the present or the the church wasn't shaking from our prayers, but the gates of hell were shaking, because the gates of hell were struggling to keep people into the bondage. But you have to know, maybe the literal earth won't shake, but you are moving foundations in the in the underworld. Because, you know, can picture the demons there. You know, the, the hell begins to shake. The ceiling starts falling in. The devil's grabbing onto the size of his, his makeshift throne. And the devils are coming in, wobbling on crutches because you were praying. Don't forget to pray. It moves the gates of hell out of your way. So anyway, Paul is, you know, he, he is preaching all this to, to those people. They loved him. They loved him. And Paul loved them. He wants to go see them, but he's in prison. And he has, he has pretty much, as I read this, I'm thinking like Paul pretty much knew he was going to be set free. And this was, he was set free after two years at this point. He was set free. And he went around preaching, and then he did make it back to Philippi. And he did preach there. But then not long after, he ended up back in Rome and was executed in, you know, by, by Caesar, Caesar Nero. Here's what he says in verse 19. Seven facts in living for Christ. And it applies to us today. Not because it's 2,000 years later. Because this is the Word of God. And this Word of God is true. And it should apply to us today. Just like it applied to Paul. Verse 19, KJV version. For I know that this shall turn out, turn to my salvation through your prayer and supply of the Spirit of Christ Jesus. You know what? This is the King James Version. But if you go to other versions, that word salvation there is soteria. Soteria. And soteria also means deliverance. Okay? It also means deliverance. In this application here, if you read this word, this correctly, as far as I'm concerned, for I know that this shall turn out for my salvation. Well, Paul's already saved. Here's what he's saying. I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance 
from prison. That's what he's saying. For his deliverance. Through your prayers. In other words, keep praying. Keep praying, Philippians, so that I can get out of jail. You saw it happen once. It's going to happen again. Paul is thinking deliverance, not salvation here. As we know it, he's already saved. Paul is confident. Look at this. By that verse, he's being very confident in prayer and in the Holy Spirit, just like he did in the inner prison when the foundation shook and the chains fell off and the doors were all open and the Philippian jailer got saved along with his entire household. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul said, and you shall be saved and your household. Your household, if they aren't saved, when you're saved, they are set apart. They are sanctified, set apart, because you're a believer, Dad, Mom. Keep on believing. Keep on praying. Verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. You know what Paul's saying here? He's saying, he's saying, one way or the other, and you're going to see him express it as we move on, yeah, I don't care if I die or if I live, Christ is going to be glorified. As we move on, you're going to see why. If, if I stay, um, more fruit will be added to my fruit basket. If I go, I'm going to be with Christ, which is far better. We're going to see that verse as we come up. In other words, Paul was telling the Philippian church, have faith. In 1 Corinthians, or the Philippian church, in 1 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look not on the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. That's faith. You know, it says it in, in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But it goes on in the sixth verse, and it says, but without faith it is impossible to please God. Listen, if you're going to lay hands on the sick, hoping that they recover or they're healed, you better have faith. You have to have faith. You don't just pray and, and uh, okay, we said a nice thing to somebody. You've got to believe that they can be healed, and they can be healed. They can be healed. You look not on the things that are seen. You're looking at uh, uh, a crippled person, and you're, you're not looking at him as crippled. You're looking at him as healed. Because you can see the vision, you have a vision that, that, of that, of them being healed, and that's faith. You don't see it, but you believe it. You try to pull it in from the, un, the, the heavenly world. That Christ be magnified in, in his body, whether by life or by death. Notice Paul has no idea here what the will of God is at this point. He's kind of expressing faith that he's going to be released, but he really doesn't have any idea. He doesn't have a rhema word from God saying, I'm going to release you. He didn't have that with Silas in the prison either. He just sang praises to God. And, and that's, what, that's what broke off the chains, praises. Here we see that he's, he's talking about prayer mainly. Prayer is very important. Praise and prayer. Prayer and praise, very, very important to the church. 
Paul had no idea what was going to happen, but he had faith and he had hope. Faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. And in verse 21, the most famous verse of anybody, just about any Christian that loves the Lord Jesus Christ. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know what? My discipler, Pastor Floyd E. Meyer of Dorseyville Christian and Missionary Alliance Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you know, that was one of his favorite verses. I can, I can, I can, I just know him that well that I know that that was his favorite verse. And he was only, I knew him for five years before he passed away, and he discipled me. He was, he was rather young when he died, too. He's only 57 years old. Listen, he discipled me, and I'll tell you what, I would bet my bottom dollar if I were a betting man that that would have been his favorite verse, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I remember going to see him in the hospital, and it, it happened so fast. And I remember seeing him in the hospital, and I, I didn't know what to say. I'm just a young 30-year-old kid. You know, and I, I looked at him, I looked into him in the bed, and it's hard to picture him that way. And all he did is said, "Joe, come pray for, pray with me." That's what he said. So I went in and prayed with him. I didn't even know how to pray. I was brokenhearted. But for him, this is why I love the Lord right here because he trained me. He said, "To live is Christ, and to die is gain." We're all going to go someday. We're going to see Jesus. We actually the songs tonight and the scripture that that Liz read you know, pointed exactly to that. He knew either way Christ would be glorified, whether he dies or whether he lives. Paul is leaving all things up to God. He's leaving all things up to God. Let your will be done. You know what I say when you're praying for healing for somebody, do not say that. But in this case, he had to say it, you know. Thy will be done. And, and even in the garden when Jesus prayed, he said, Father, can you remove this cup from me? And the Father said, no, I can't. And then he, what did Jesus say? Thy will be done. But don't pray that when you're praying over somebody that's blind and you want them to see. So say, thy will be done, because you already just added doubt to your prayer. Jesus was asking the Lord God, his Father, a question, and his Father answered him, and Jesus said, thy will be done. Simple as that. In other words, yes, Lord, I will do it. Paul is reinforcing his, stand, his standing to whatever the will of God may be, life, death, whatever it is, for God will be glorified in it. Paul is therefore showing us today that death in this world does not defeat a believer. Do you hear that? Death does not defeat a believer. We lost a few people in this congregation over the years. Some to the COVID that passed, some to just normal things, some to drugs. You know what? But Paul's saying here, death in this world does not defeat us believers because we end up with the king in the kingdom of heaven. It's more like a graduation versus a, a um, you know, a, a a death completely. It's a graduation into, into a better kingdom, into a better government where Christ himself reigns on the throne instead of some ungodly king or president or senator or governor. 
For a believer, death is a great gain. Absent from the Lord, is, uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's an immediately, you're in the presence of God. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions, John 14. If it were not so, I would not have told you. And since it is so, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. He's coming again. It's re I believe that's a reference not only to the second coming, the tribulation, but it's also when we have assurance for those of us who die as Christ, in Christ. It's, it's a... You know, it's an immediate presence with the Lord because Jesus said so. He's going to come again. He's going to take you to myself. I was there when my dad died, and I could feel the presence of Jesus in that place. Before, I knew my dad was going to go. It was just that quick. And also, you know what? This, this verse that Paul's saying here also it blows away soul sleep or purgatory. It blows it away. There is no purgatory. And there isn't a place where you can redeem yourself after you're dead in this life. You can, you know, you can do righteous things and, and be, you know, go up into heaven. That is not biblical. It don't fit Scripture whatsoever. Soul sleep is blown away by this because you're immediately in the presence of God. To be absent from the Lord, body is to be present with the Lord. So if you interpret Scripture by Scripture, here's what 2 Corinthians says, just to back up what I said. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. For a believer, it's great gain, Paul says. Uh, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, because he's going to be with Jesus. By verse 22, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I want not. In other words, if I live on, it will mean fruit for my labor. And, you know, I'm going to win more souls, maybe even start more churches, and it's going to be fruit added to my fruit basket to, to present before the Lord when I get to heaven. He said, that's okay. Yet what shall I choose? Paul is between a rock and a hard place here. He's in a catch-22. He does not know what to do. So he's going to let God choose. He wants God to do it. But he's pretty much pointing to faith. He's going to be released because he wants to see the Philippians, Philippians again. Because he loved them so. And they prayed for him. And he prayed for, and, and they prayed for him. And he prayed for them. Verse 23 of Philippians 1. For I am in a strait betwixt two having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Remember, Paul has seen Jesus. He's seen Jesus on the road to Damascus. He just saw his glory, really. You know what? He would rather go and be with Jesus. But he knows there's work to do down here. Philippian church needed some work, as did all the other churches that he had started. To, for to be with Christ, which is far better, not just better, far better. Paul has seen Jesus. Paul saw glimpses of heaven. Paul has seen Jesus perform miracles through his own hands, through Paul's own hands. Paul saw 
God in Christ and the power of the Spirit raised Eutychus that fell out the window while Paul was preaching from the third floor in Acts chapter 20. And Paul went down. He was dead. But Paul did similar to what Elisha and Elijah did to the little boys that they they had died. He pretty much laid on them face to face, nose to nose, mouth to mouth, hand to hand. And, and Paul said, he lives. And he went back upstairs and started preaching. He wasn't going to waste any time. He knew Eutychus was alive. He saw Publius get saved in Acts chapter 28. In Acts chapter 16, verse 18, he cast out a demon from a woman who was causing confusion. Paul saw this. He, he knew, knew that it was far better to be with Christ. In Acts chapter 19, extraordinary miracles were being done by Paul. Just to take a handkerchief or an apron off of him and carry it, you know, or and carry it from his body to a sick person, the person would be healed. Now, I'm not going to start selling, you know, aprons and, and uh cloths and, and handkerchiefs because that isn't the point. It was just a point of contact with an apostle that people knew where it was, was sent by Almighty God as he preached Jesus Christ. We don't preach holy water. We don't preach, uh, you, know, um, you know, handkerchiefs and aprons. We preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, dead, buried, and risen. That's it. He saw a serpent, a, a viper that bit him when he picked up some wood for the fire. We saw him get bit by a serpent, a poisonous serpent, and he just shook it off in the fire like, like nothing. You shall drink deadly poison and it shall not hurt you. He didn't do it deliberately. If you drink deadly poison deliberately, I'm going to tell you, you're going to die. If somebody in Africa, if you're out there as a missions trip and they put poison in your water and you don't know it, I believe you can claim that verse, Acts 16, or Mark 16. You can drink deadly poison and you, and you, you, know, you will be uh, healed because you weren't tempting God. Paul, you know, actually commanded blindness to fall upon Bar-Jesus, Bar who was Elamus, a false prophet that kept uh, his boss from from Sergius Paulus from getting saved, and Paul recognized it, as he did with the, the woman that was causing confusion in Acts chapter 16 in Philippi. He rebuked the spirit in the girl, and she was no good to her, her soothsayer bosses. And here he commands the blindness on Elamus because he is a false prophet. Paul says in that verse, I still I have a desire to depart and be with Christ. Paul is telling you right here where he would rather be, in heaven or on earth. Paul knew there was a heaven. There was no doubt in his mind. But he also knew that he needed to stay because the, the Philippian church, the Corinthian church, the Ephesian church, all these needed to grow. And he needed to give them more information. He had a desire to part, to part, to depart. And I looked that up in the Greek, and it's like he had a strong longing. 
to be with Christ. But you know what he did? He would, he would rather stay with the Philippians so that he could teach them and he could add fruit to his fruit basket when he gets to heaven because he loved people, did not want to see them die and go to hell, not receiving Christ as their Savior. He wanted to preach. So here's like seven outstanding facts in living for Christ today. We can find these in verses 21 through 24. Let me, let me read it. I'm going to read verses 21 through 24. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean more fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. He's not sure. For I am hard-pressed between two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So here's the point number one. Seven outstanding facts in living for Christ. To live means gain. As you are in this world, you're not supposed to sit in the pew and just suck in all the scripture on Thursday night or Wednesday night or Sunday or Sunday night or the Bible studies that you go to. You're not supposed to just sit and suck it all in. You are to give it out. It means great gain. To live means gain. That means you have to gain more fruit for the kingdom, more fruit in preaching the gospel. If you preach the gospel or you, you talk to somebody about the Lord Jesus and how they can be saved, you know, you're planting seeds. Therefore, you know, you've got grain. You're, having, you're part of adding a person to the kingdom. More fruit will be added to Paul's fruit basket and to yours if you remain here on earth, not just sitting in a church on Sunday and acting like an unbeliever on Monday. No. No more sin. No more temptation. When we get to heaven. Number two of seven outstanding facts. To die is personal gain. Paul will be with Christ. You will be with Christ. The people that we just lost over the, over the last couple years, they are with Christ. From my knowing them, from what I know, they all knew Jesus quite well. And they all loved him. To die is personal gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, says Paul in 2 Corinthians 5. Paul will be with Christ. You will be with Christ. You can have a longing. All believers should long to be with Christ. You should be so in love with him, you can't wait to see his face. Paul is really assuring us today and the Philippians then that there is life after death. If you were at the last memorial that I spoke at, I used John, uh, Job 14.14. 14. And here's what Job says. If a man dies, will he live again? The answer is yes. There's no doubt about it according to the Scripture. Eternal life is written from, from Genesis to Revelation. If a man dies, shall he live again? And then he goes on in that verse and he says, till my change comes. 
Oh, boy, that added a little, little monkey wrench to it. You know what the change is? You being born again. You being born again. That's the change we need to happen. And you know what? If you already are born again, there's a change going to take place when that trumpet sounds at the, at the rapture, and we're going to be taken out of here. There's going to be a change for all those that are in the flesh. This immortality is going to put on mortality. This in, in this in, in this, what's the word I'm trying to look at? This destructible shall put on this corruptible shall put on incorruption. We're going to be changed. Even back in Job, the oldest book in the Bible, it's talking about being born again. If a man lives, shall if a man dies, shall he live again? The answer is yes, when his change comes. <laughs> He's going to be changed. You know what? Most all Christians should desire to be holy. Otherwise, if you don't desire to be holy, what makes you think you are a Christian? If you don't desire to be holy, what makes you think you are a Christian? You know what I heard that from? I heard that by James Vernon McGee today on the radio. He read it, and he's doing a, he was studying in Matthew, I think. And, you know, he said, he said, every Christian should desire to be holy. If you don't desire to be holy, what makes you think you're a Christian? That's fruit. That's fruit. You know, if there were no heaven, and if Christ was not alive, then Paul would not want to leave this world and go into a state of nothingness. And you and I both know that there is life after death. You can't get away from it. Just open your Bible and begin reading, and you will find out. Point number three of seven outstanding facts. To live in the flesh is more and continuous fruit-bearing. If we leave the body, the flesh, where will we be? Do we become extinct just because we moved out of this body? No way. Your spirit is alive and well, your soul. Point number four, having a desire to depart. This confirms the fact that the departure of, of the soul from the body at death. I've even heard or read something somewhere that people that die lose 14 ounces at the time of their death, immediately. I think it's 14 ounces. Some doctor or something told me that, or I read it somewhere. It shows you that there's, there's probably something that left if you're just 14 ounces less. What is it? Probably your soul departing. Now, that's not biblical. That's just something I heard from a doctor or reading, you know, uh, on a, online or something. Having a desire to depart. Do men just go to nothingness at death? A lot of people like to believe that, so that they can just not be holy. See, but if you're a Christian, you should desire to be holy. You should desire to get rid of that sin that, that's bugging you, that's tempting you and convicting you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And if you don't want to be holy, what makes you think you're a Christian? You want to be like Jesus, don't you? When he comes, we shall be like him, for we will see him just as he is. If not, 
Why was Paul willing to depart from the body? The answer is because he knows there's a prom- there's, that Jesus is the promised Messiah who paid the penalty for our sins and was resurrected because of, he was holy. Point number five of the seven outstanding facts. You will be with Christ. Where is Jesus? Is he dead or is he dormant? Is he unconscious in a grave somewhere? But the grave is empty for Jesus. One thing is for sure. Whenever Jesus is there, we'll be believers at death. Wherever Jesus is, there will the believers be at death. Wherever he is. He's in heaven, and that's where you're going to be when you pass from this earth. And there's no doubt about it. The scriptures talk about it. Philippians 2.23 actually says that right out. I am hard-pressed between two having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Paul is saying, hey, I can't wait to get out of here because I'm going to be with Christ. Paul has been suffering left and right because of Christ. He loved Jesus so much. He was in a constant storm all the time. Read his, you know, what he says in 2 Corinthians. I believe it's chapter 13, 15. You know, the, what he was, he was whipped so many times. He spent a day and a night in the sea. You know, he was hungry. He was thirsty. But Paul kept on keeping on, as did all the other disciples. Number six, to be with Christ is far better. Extinction is not far better. Let's just face it. Unconsciousness is not far better. Being in the grave is not far better, where worms can crawl in and out of you. Going back to dust is not far better. Going back to nothingness is not far, not far better. But now staying with Paul uh, means that you're going to, well, following Christ, as, as Paul's following Christ, means that you're going to be with him. Why would Paul say far better? Verse 24, to, to continually abide in the flesh is more needed, needful for the church than to die for him to die and be with Christ. He's saying, you know what he's saying? You guys need to grow up. I need to be here. I need to help you grow up. No longer drinking meat or milk. I need you to drink, eat solid food like steak and potatoes, not cherries all the time. You can't just pick the scriptures and get the ones that tickle your ears. You know what? A couple weeks ago, uh, on Sunday, I preached a, a, a message that who knows what people could, you know, it, could take it. It was about, you know, uh, sinful people turning back to God, about homosexuals and liars and thieves and, and all of these things. You said, a lot of people may have gotten mad at me, but don't get mad at me. I didn't say it. I'm the messenger. I'm the messenger. That's what God said. If you don't desire to be holy, if you want to flaunt your sins in the church, that's not being holy. 
You should desire to be holy, because if you aren't, if you have no desire to be holy, as J. Vernon McGee said, then what makes you think you're a Christian? I des- you know what? When I heard that, I thought, "Whew! I feel a lot better about myself," because I like I try to be holy as holy as I can, and I know I fail terribly. You can ask my wife, probably. I fail terribly, but I want to be holy. Holier than I am now every day. And I'm only made holy by Christ. Not by me, but by Christ who makes me holy. And you holy. By grace you're saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God that any man, no man might boast. It's not, it's not you, it's God. At death the body dies and the inner man leaves the body and goes to heaven. I already repeated John 14. Two through six, and my father's house are many mansions. And I will come again, and I will take you to myself. I'm convinced when we die, you're gonna once you draw that last breath, and your heart stops, and and the soul is like looking at the face of Jesus. However, we are at that point. The believer goes to heaven, and the unbeliever goes to hell. It's that simple. It has nothing to do with you working for the church. It has nothing to do with you praying a certain time, three times a day. It has everything to do with the blood that Jesus shed. You did not trample it under your foot and treat it as unholy, says Hebrews 10. This is the blood, that blood that quaked the earth, and the sky got dark, and the thunder flashed, And the curtain in the temple was torn from top to the body, proved that the very earth itself was mourning. And now the way to the Holy of Holies has been opened up by the hand of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. The believer goes to heaven, the unbeliever goes to hell. And James even backs Paul up with this, James 2.26, As the body without the spirit is dead. The body without the spirit is dead. Turn to Hebrews 12, verse But you have come to Mount Zion and to the holy city of the living God and the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than that of Abel. See, right there, it tells you. The souls are in heaven with God. The spirits of just men made perfect. How are they made perfect? Through the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And if you went to Genesis 22.8, when Abraham you know, spoke to his son, Isaac said, Dad, we have the fire, we have the wood. Where's the sacrifice? The eighth verse, King James Version, God said, Abraham says to his son, God will provide himself the sacrifice. The burnt offering. God will provide himself. God will provide himself. The offering. It was God on that cross. And if you believe in Him, heaven is waiting for you. Verse 26, That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Paul knew that the Philippians loved him, as I mentioned earlier, and they would rejoice at his coming. They can't wait to see Paul. They love him. I explained that according to Acts chapter 16 of what the woman at the river and the, the Philippian jailer. Paul went to the house. People got saved. Paul ended up in prison. Paul and Silas ended up singing at midnight. The, 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 the whole foundation shook. Boy, if we could see prayers like that today. But you've got to look into the spiritual world. That's what's happening when you pray. You take down forces of darkness. You rebuke the enemy. You've got to remember your struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness, even in a heavenly place, like this temple, like the, the, the Congress, this building that is the, the uh, sanctuary. Even in holy places. You know, the devil goes to church. I command him to shut up in this church. When we pray, usually on Sunday morning, I command him to shut up. You might have sat beside the devil one day, says uh, David Jeremiah. He said, I, he said, I've went to church many times. He said, I might have sat beside the devil. Because the devil goes to church. He's trying to figure out how to destroy the churches. And he's been doing a, a job. Methodists and Protestants and Catholics and Presbyterians, all that believe that Jesus came, he died, he was buried, and he is risen, according to the Scriptures, clashing and fighting with one another, and the world laughs at us. They want, we want them to get right, and, and we're, we're a mess. It's time to be holy. It's time for holiness to come to the church. And that could start with me. Verse 27, only let your conversation or conduct, that Greek word is it's palatio, which means conduct, to have citizens, you know, to behave like citizens of heaven. That's what that means. Let your conduct behave like citizens of heaven as becoming of the gospel of Christ. You represent the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I come and see you, or else be absent. I may hear of your affairs, that ye may be steadfast in one spirit and one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And that's what all the churches need to do today. 
to stand fast in one spirit, the Holy Spirit, with one mind, the mind of Christ, striving together to get the gospel out to that last unbeliever so we can get out of here, stirring up and striving together for the faith that's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.20 For our conversation is in heaven to be behave like citizens of heaven. We need to behave like citizens of together. Striving together means wrestling together with no contention, wrestling for the gospel to get out there. One mind, one spirit means steadfast, avoiding what is not profitable. Why fight over what color you're going to paint the walls in the church or what carpet you're going to put on the floor? We need unity. That's what Paul's saying. We want unity in the church today, not just in the Philippian church, but in our churches in America and around the world. Verse 28, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. What Paul's saying is, don't be afraid. Don't fear not. Don't be terrified by your enemies. Paul had adversaries. You have adversaries. The Philippian church had adversaries. But don't be terrified. And that word in Greek means stamped, uh, like to be stamped on by a herd of, of cattle. That means terrified. There's a herd of cattle coming to you. You're terrified. You know you aren't going to make it through alive. And here again, salvation is the Greek word soteria, which means deliverance. Paul is already saved. When he puts the word soteria there, it, it is because it's for his deliverance from the Roman prison. Paul is calling for the Philippian church to have boldness. And that's what God's calling for us today as Christians, to have boldness. To be not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. To speak it out. To take, to take this and give it to your co-workers and your colleagues and even your neighbors and your enemies. If they go, I bought 85 of them. If, it, if they're gone, I'll order more. They'll come in a couple of days. It's not a big deal. But we want to get the gospel out there. And you can even tell them, here's your church. Here's the church we go to. Come on by. It has their telephone number and everything and the website. Conflict is agon, which means conflict to compete for a prize. Like you saw in me, Paul is saying, you saw how I had to struggle. In other words, you saw me struggle, you struggle also. Suffering, he said, in, in his suffering. And, uh, you know, that's the word pasco, has the idea of persecution. Pretty much that's what Paul, he's in prison because of persecution. So he's telling them, you know, we know he's, this is a persecuted church. It's a persecuted church. You can go to Galatians 3, 4, find out that they're persecuted. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, Corinthians are persecuted. The Hebrews are persecuted in 2, 18. Acts 28, 5, you know, we get persecution going on for, for Paul. You know, we get in Matthew 17, 15. He's saying that the church is being persecuted. It's a privilege 
to suffer for Christ. That's what Paul is saying. Now, we in America, we don't, we don't really suffer for Christ. We're getting a little bit of it now so in the last year or so, but we don't really suffer for Christ, not like the rest of the world. Read Fox's Books of Martyrs. I read part of Fox's Books of Martyrs. I had to put it down because I couldn't stomach it. What, uh, what my brothers and sisters and your brothers and sisters are doing around the world, losing their lives and their families for Jesus Christ. We need, to, we need to grow up and fall in love with Jesus again and return to your first love, as Jesus told the churches in, in uh, Revelation. Anyway, that's our study here tonight. I don't know where God's going to lead us next week on Thursday night, but we're going to find out. And uh, if it's in Philippians or Romans like we were, that'll be aware that's where we'll be or something else that God might show us. Let's pray and close. Father God, I just thank you, Lord. I pray, thank you for my brother Paul. Such an inspiration to us is he today. Lord, we see all that he went through. We get the reality of who you are as he speaks about you, not just him, but all the other disciples, the apostles. Lord God, we, we all see from them and their writings and from the, the Holy Spirit revealing Christ to each and every one of us that Jesus Christ certainly, without a doubt, is the Messiah of Israel. And he's our Lord and our God. And we have a place in the kingdom of heaven, not by physical blood, but by spiritual blood of Christ that was shed for us. Lord, we love you with all of our heart. Help us to be holy as you are holy. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, our Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all. Tune in Sunday, 10 a.m.